Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Indie Talk Wrestling Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Paul Martinez, and we're back today to talk about uh, three more uh, big shows, two which pretty much are regular. We're going to wrap up the show tonight with part two, or night two, if you will, of the War of the Worlds uh, Ring of Honor New Japan uh, co-promotion. That happened in May, and uh, you know, if you were here with for our last episode, I was blown away by night one. Night two was actually really good too. I would say night one might be slightly better, but not by much at all. Night two delivers the goods as well, and that's our main event of the evening. We're going to start off as usual with Ring of Honor TV and uh, Lucha Underground. Uh, so let's start it off with Ring of Honor TV. I'm going now by the Destination America airings of the show. So, you know, that's why I'm calling it the 610 episode. That's the day it airs on Destination America. I know it airs on uh, their normal TV a few days earlier. It just makes it easier for me to watch both Lucha Underground and Ring of Honor on the same day. So uh, that's how I'm going to be doing it for now. So, I'm calling this the 610 episode. It opens up, the addiction coming to the ring. And they say to the fans how Bobby Fish has not been cleared by doctors to wrestle their rematch against them uh, that was scheduled for this show. Therefore, Red Dragon has to take the rematch tonight or lose it. So, Kawarati comes out and he's going to go it alone against them. And he is firing all over them. But eventually the numbers games are going to get to him. Uh, the fight does spill to the outside. And Kyle regains the advantage. Hurling Daniels and Kazarian into the barriers. I mean, really, it's almost like embarrassing how badly the addiction gets destroyed by Kyle Riley here. Uh, Kyle tosses Kazarian in the ring. Locks in Armageddon. Daniels runs it and bashes him with the title belt. Uh, so Kyle wins by DQ. So realistically, two two members of the addiction couldn't beat one member of Red Dragon here. After the DQ, though, they hit the celebrity rehab on the title belt. They punch out the referee. Uh, ACH and Matt Seidel come out for the save. Two stars. Kyle getting the win, I would think, would get he and Bobby another shot. So that maybe that's what... Uh, you know, this addiction's plan kind of fails because by a DQ victory, just me thinking logically, that would mean that they would you know, automatically have another shot down the line. So we'll see how that works out. Like I said, it wasn't, uh, didn't go on very long. It was all O'Reilly until, uh, Daniels just gave up and hit him with the belt. We have cut to a promo with Mark Briscoe, a little goofier than usual. Uh, which is cutting with Donovan Dijak, who he's going to face at best in the world. Then we go back to the ring, and it's Dalton Castle versus Jushin Thunder Liger. I was looking at Dalton. bears a striking resemblance to a young Lanny Poffo. Uh, mannerisms, uh, his hair, even his uh, facial expressions. I didn't notice that the first time. It was very evident in this matchup. Liger is mostly in control here. 
Uh, but Castle does that little flying head scissors move out on the floor. Which gives him a chance to get a little run in. Uh, we return from a commercial. And both men are fighting in the ring. This is another weird thing with Destination America. Is, uh, there's much more commercial breaks than we're used to. We're, we're losing some of the match. Because they're not coming back from the exact moment they left. They're coming back. The match joined in progress type of deal. So when we come back, we were out of the floor, but now they're back fighting in the ring. Uh, Liger sends Dalton over the top rope again, hits a cannonball plancher. Then he returns to the ring, and he calls the castle's boys. You know, those two, uh, I don't know what to call them, the scantily clad men that accompany him to the ring. Well, Liger calls them into the ring, and they do their little pose with Liger in the middle instead of Castle. The fans totally pop for this. Uh, I actually chuckled. It was pretty funny. Castle is not amused. Yells at his boys to go back outside the ring. Crowd is chanting, that was awesome. Uh, then Dalton, now I guess a little pissed off. He starts to take control for a while. Gets a few near falls. Uh, Liger comes back, hits a Liger bomb for two, then a brain buster, gets the win. Two and a half stars. It was a very good match, along with a couple of fun spots. So I, I thought this was a good job they did here. Uh, Dalton Castle is definitely, he's definitely over with the Ring of Honor crowd. And uh, his little act is getting over well, and Liger plays to a great. Liger's one of the great unsung comedy guys uh, in wrestling so this worked out really well and the wrestling was top notch when they actually did wrestle our next match this was I was a little taken back even to see this match come up Brutal Bob Evans versus Cheeseburger for those who don't know Cheeseburger weighs 135 pounds so this is the classic little guy versus big guy um, and the little guy runs around a while once the big guy finally catches him. Uh, you know, that's basically how these matches play out. That's how this played out. And uh, now Brutal Bob is uh, beating him up pretty good. Uh, they're out on the apron. And Cheeseburger kind of charges them, but Bob scoops him and hits a side suplex from the apron through the timekeeper's cable. But the refs call the match here, I guess, trying to play that uh, Bob hurt himself on the move. So neither guy could return to the ring, so it's a no contest. This was, in my opinion, a total waste of my time. 1.5 stars, and I really wondered at this point, where has my Ring of Honor gone? You would never have caught this on the old show, anything like this. I, you didn't even know Cheeseburger was alive on the old show. We get a promo from uh, Lethal. On next week's contract signing with Jay Briscoe. Really good promo. Lethal is just money on promos right now. Uh, then we get more by from Jay, which is good. Jay's always a good promo guy. Always has been. Cuts a good promo. Good solid promo. I wouldn't say over the top, but good solid promo. Again, hyping up the contract signing. Pet peeve for me, I got to tell you. Is I've never liked the whole contract signing gimmick. Because if you don't do it for every match, why do you do it for only particular matches? You know, it's that that type of thing where I know you're supposed to suspend the uh, belief, but 
at the same time, you're supposed to have some sense of reality. In my opinion, if you're going to have a contract signing for Lethal versus uh, Jay Briscoe, why wasn't there a contract signing for Jay Briscoe versus Bobby Fish? Why wasn't there a contract signing for Jay Lethal versus Kyle Riley? You understand? It's just a random thing that they throw out there. It's very cliche, and I'm not a fan of it. Next match, which is our main event, The Kingdom versus Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows. This is for the IWGP World Ta- uh, Heavyweight World Heavyweight Tag Team Champions. Was the Kingdom uh, won from uh, Anderson and Gallows in Japan? And when they won those titles, they won it with the help of Maria, uh, due to the fact that Carl Anderson was obsessed with Maria. The angle they played is that he was totally uh, enamored and in love with her, and that caused him to lose sight of what was going on, and they lost the titles. And then after they lost the titles, uh, Carl realized that Maria played him and taking her out on the last uh, New Japan show, I think, which was the Tonka, I believe that happened on. So at this point, it's a little different now. Uh, thing as Carl Anderson is not so much in love of Maria anymore as he hates her. So as soon as the bell rings, this gets wild from the start. Carl jumps up the ring and starts chasing Maria, like uh, trying to you know get at her. And uh, but he gets laid up by Bennett. And then Taven gets Gallows down, and they're looking for the spike pile driver. But Anderson hits a stun gun. And then Doc slams Bennett into the ring apron. And we go to a commercial break. And we come back. It's all Bullet Club at this point. As they're beating down Michael Bennett for a while. Taven finally gets in and turns the tide a bit. And then we get that stupid angle of each side keep pushing the ref down. To find the ref has to call for a double DQ. Again, another finish I can't stand. Another angle that I hate. It doesn't make any sense to me. One guy pushes the ref down. The ref doesn't disqualify him. The other guy pushes the ref down. The ref doesn't disqualify him. They both push the ref down. It, this is just... I'm sorry. This is just... I expect more from Ring of Honor than this. Really, I do. Come on. This, you're pulling out nonsense from 30 years ago. and It wasn't good then. And I just... It's very... Again, the only word I could think of is cliché. So I, I didn't have, I thought this finish was stupid. But after the match, Bullet Club hits the Magic Killer on Taven on double chairs after teasing doing it to Maria, uh, which was a really nice spot. I gave the match two stars, and that's the show. And in my opinion, another crap episode. Ring of Honor Destination America has not been good, and it makes me look bad for being the one who's been telling everybody, you got to watch Ring of Honor. you got to watch Ring of Honor. And if you finally listen to me, you're like, oh, I'm going to watch Ring of Honor because I'm Destination America. You must think I'm a lunatic by telling you how good it is. These last two shows have been anything but good. They have been very subpar. Well, let's talk about a show that is almost never subpar. And that is Lucha Underground. The show begins with Drago, who has returned. He's standing on a roof in front of a Lucha Underground billboard. He spreads his wings, which he now sports, 
and dives off the roof. Uh, camera switches to the uh, temple. We see Striker Vampiro. Vampiro apologizes for jumping in the ring last week. Uh, as you guys remember, that was an amazing angle, which uh, I'm sure we haven't seen the last of. But uh, they, they they had this like bury it here. You know, Vampiro apologizes. You should have done it. Striker tells them, "Well, you did what you had to do, and no one could fault you for that." And that was it. They wasn't mentioned again for the rest of the show. Dario is in the ring. He announces he will have a huge annual show coming in eight weeks called Ultimo Lucha. Uh, and he will have a match tonight of all the former challengers for Prince Puma's title to determine who will face Puma at that show for the belt. Uh, then he brings out Blue Demon Jr., he says he knows that Blue Demon wants in the Ultima Lucha. But first, he must be sure they didn't have too much ring rust since they haven't been in the ring in a long time. He has an opponent for him. Out comes Chavo Guerrero, along with Mr. Cisco and Cortez Castro. Now, Blue Demon's like dressed in a suit. He's not dressed at all to wrestle, but Dario says they got a fight, and it's anything goes. So, this is our match, Blue Demon versus Chavo Guerrero. And it pretty much starts off like a, like a street fight. Uh, but once Blue Demon starts to take uh, control, the crew just jumps in. They're holding him in the corner as Chavo gets the kendo stick. He tries to fight back, but he gets taken out. He's down on the mat. As they're holding him down, Chavo goes up, hits the frog splash, gets the victory. 1.5 stars, basically a three-on-one squash. Uh, it gets us to get over Chavo's becoming the new leader of the of the crew, and uh, we establish him as uh, the top heel. Then after that, we see Drago descending into the temple once again, and uh, he just slowly walks in. No security at all in this building. So uh, we go down to the lockup area where Chavo is talking to Black Lotus. She tells him Dragon Azteca is going to make sure Mexico gets him. And Chavo says after what he just did to Blue Demon, Mexico wouldn't dare. And uh, something about, you know, she'll be dead soon or whatever. I don't know. I think it was just a thing to us to update us on Black Lotus that she's still in the cell and not dead yet. But uh, really, nothing else. Then we go, Dario's in that bathroom that it seems like only him and Drago ever use. And here appears Drago. And he tells Dario he should be in that match tonight. Because he's a former challenger of Puma. And Dario agrees, but says he's been banished. And as Drago screams to let him fight with his high-pitched scream, Dario seems... A little taken back, and he says, okay, fine. But if he doesn't win, he is again banished, and he must leave his mask behind. So, Drago agrees. Next, we get the Disciples of Death with Katrina versus the return of Pimpinella Escarlata, Mascarita Sagrada, and their new friend, Bengala. Oh, joy. I'm not 
positive on who all three members of the Disciples of Death are. I know one of them is actually the same guy who was playing at Matador Loco. I have to find out who the other two are. But uh, they all pretty much wear the same mask. Uh, different builds, but all of them built, you know, in good condition. You know, one guy seems more like uh, a, just a big bruiser. One guy seems more like a wrestler. One guy maybe seems like he can jump around a little. And they have different names, but really it's very hard to be able to tell anyone from the other. A lot of antics from Pippinello to start this match. Eventually, DOD take control of Sagrada. Uh, then later, they get Pimpy alone in the ring, draped over the bottom rope. Katrina gives him the lick of death. Then they hit a triple team like Modified Flapjack, and the Disciples win. Not much of a match. 1.5 stars again. I don't know. It was really more just to get over the Disciples. Then we go to Darius' office with Johnny Mundo is there, and he wants to know, why he's left out of the number one contenders match. So Dyra tells him because next week he fights Puma in a match where they will fight for one hour. The person with the most pinfalls or submissions wins and they shake hands. Okay, so in storyline, Dario now has invented the Iron Man match. Well, I can't wait to watch that next week. Uh, Puma versus... Johnny Mundo for one hour, Iron Man. That's got. There's no way that can't be fantastic. Like I'm already saying before the match even starts, that I predict it's going to be at least four and a half stars. We might have match of the year literally coming uh, next week. Then our main event, it's Cage versus King Cuerno versus Hernandez versus Drago. Total mayhem from the start. Casey Cuerno have formed an uneasy alliance here. Drago hit the top rope special Hernandez for two. At some point, we see Killshot standing atop the stairs watching the action. Not really sure what this is. It seems like they were trying to push. They had some sort of thing going on with King Cuerno. Maybe it's, I forgot that something happened between them. They're out on the floor, and Cage does a moonsault onto them, but no one catches, (laughs) no one catches this huge man flying through the air, and he basically lands face first. To his credit, he jumped right up, but that must have stung. Cuerno was hitting La Flecha de Inferno on everyone, but Hernandez, who avoids the impact, he gets on the ring apron, but gets power bombs to the floor by Drago. Drago goes in the ring, spits yellow mist in Cuerno's eyes, then does the Dragon's Lair, gets the pin. Three stars. It was very good match. I wouldn't call it special, but it was really good. And the fans really popped for Drago getting the win. He has a new look, a little more darker. The fans love it. And uh, after the match, Puma comes out. And they do a stare down center ring, Puma and Drago, as they sing, uh, as of right now, that is the main event of Ultima Lucha. Then we switch to Dario's office, and Katrina appears. She asks, why was Mil Muertes left out of that match? And she starts choking Dario with his own tie. And she tells him, 
Mill destroys everything in his way. Why is Daryl getting in Mill's way? Daryl's like, well, he didn't know Mill wanted in. In two weeks, he could face Drago with the winner going to ultimately Lucha. That seems to be a trend here on this show, is that Dario makes proclamations about number one contenders, and then when somebody threatens him, he changes the deal later on. No one ever seems to get all that angry about it. Funny stuff. Uh, she disappears, but before she does, he references the monster in the cell and says even he can't stop me on weapons. A uh, solid show. Not stupendous. Uh, really, just hung on the main event. Uh, everything before the main event was just really a lot of noise. But I am psyched for next week. I'm very psyched for this Iron Man match. Now, uh, before we talk about our main event, I just wanted to take a couple of moments to acknowledge the passing. Dusty Rhodes, a true legend of the sport. He passed away at the age of 69. And was taken from us far too soon. I was never growing up the biggest Dusty fan. Kind of like, you know, like I wasn't the biggest Hulk fan. Or I wasn't the biggest Cena fan. I think like many fans, we seem to rebel sometimes against the top baby faces. But there's no doubt that uh, Dusty was the top baby face of his time. Uh, batting the likes of guys like Ric Flair and Kevin Sullivan. And Tully Blanchard, basically, if you thought you were a top heel in this sport, then you had to get in the ring with Dusty Rhodes. Also known for uh, many, you know, not just in-ring stuff, but booking decisions and angles and stuff like that that he created. Of course, the famous Dusty finish, which uh, I believe they did. Wow, and that's funny to think of. They just did a Dusty finish. At the last WWE pay-per-view uh, with Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins, uh, that that's a dusty finish. The way that ends, where the champ gets pinned, but the referee afterwards says it's actually a DQ, and that has actually been called a dusty finish. It's something he came up with many years ago, and it's been done over and over throughout time, and it's just in the business known as dusty finish, and so it's kind of ironic that they just did that the last WWE pay-per-view and um, and then Dusty unfortunately passed away. My condolences to the Ronalds family. I'm sure it's a very tough time for them. I just want to say, like I said, I wasn't the biggest Dusty fan, but I respect the man uh, as a legend in the sport and uh, he, he will be missed. Okay, back to our main event, which is War of the Worlds, night two. Taking place in Philadelphia, this took place on May 13th, 2015, from the former ECW arena. And the crowd, as if you ever watched ECW, you know, never has there ever been a hotter crowd than the crowd of the ECW arena. And they are red hot for this show. Uh, opening match, Adam Page of the Decade, accompanied by Kobe Carino. Versus Watanabe. Uh, Watanabe in control early. Fans love Watanabe. They chant Suplex City at him when he starts uh, throwing all his German suplexes a la Brock Lesnar. He's really in control and then Kobe trips him up from the floor. 
So what Watanabe goes out and German suplexes Kobe, my goodness. He suplexed him up and over and he goes all the way 360 and lands on his face. The crowd goes crazy for this great bump by Kobe. But because of the interference, that gave Adam Page a chance to take control. Watanabe tries to fight back, but again, Kobe interferes. Uh, and then Page winds up hitting the right to pass its power driver. Gets the three count. Two stars. Good match. Good opening match. Nothing special. Uh, I am I am starting to uh, more and more like what I see out of Adam Page. Now, Kobe holds the ropes open for Page to leave. And then before he can leave, Watanabe grabs him and takes his head off with a lariat. Fans really hate Kobe these days, so they're calling for another one. But Watanabe just leaves him being. As again, the whole angle is that the, the decade cared nothing for Kobe. This is all done just to mess with Steve Carino. Our next match... Michael Elgin versus Kushida. Uh, Kushida using his speed very early, but Elgin catches him on the outside of the ring, and he does a buckle bomb into the steel barricade. Ooh, that was a crazy spot. They continue the battle. Both men getting near falls a couple of times in the ring, really going at it. Uh, Elgin winds up hitting the buckle bomb again, but Kushida has his scouted, and rolls up Elgin for a near fall when he bounds out. But uh, Elgin's able to kick out there. So there's more back and forth action. Kushida gets the Kimura on Elgin, which he's been winning most of his matches with lately. Uh, but Elgin's able to get to the ropes. Uh, they're back into the ring again. They're trading some big strikes into both men collapse. They slowly start to rise and they start trading strikes again. Kushida goes for a handspring elbow that is caught and powerbombed, like, almost through the ring. Follows it up with a Revolution Elgin bomb, and that ends it. Three and a half stars. Excellent match. Kushida is a star right now. And, and Michael Elgin, uh, you know, against guys like this where he can really throw them around, uh, really plays his strengths. So he looks like a, a world beater. And are facing guys like this. It's a very good, excellent, excellent match. Our next match, Kyle O'Reilly uh, from Red Dragon facing Tetsuya Naito. Uh, lots of comedy early in this match. Uh, but then it starts to pick up a bit. Kyle hits at one point three rolling double underhook throws. Then gets the Armageddon by Naito gets his foot to the ropes. Need to cut back, hits a top of Frankensteiner for a near fall. Uh, Naito hits a dragon suplex for a near fall. Kyle comes back, hits a brain buster, locks on the Armageddon again, but Naito escapes. And finally, it's a Phoenix Splash by Naito that wins it. Three stars, really good after it got serious. Like I said, very lot of comedy early on. But once it got serious, it got really good. Both guys working very hard at the end there. And Kyle Riley's another guy. If you've been watching Kyle Riley lately, this guy is on a roll. I mean, his matches have been incredible lately. There's a couple of guys in Ring of Honor right now. Kyle Riley, um, ACH, 
to a point, Michael Elgin, Roderick Strong, Jay Lethal. There's a lot of guys right now who are just, like, really at the top of their game. Our next match is a four-way match for the TV. Uh, well, was this for the TV? No, it was a non-TV title match. But it featured the World Ring of Honor World Television Champion, Jay Lethal, as he faced Jushin Thunder Liger. Mark Briscoe and Shinsuke Nakamura. The ovation for Nakamura made me wish I was there live. Amazing. Um, one of the most amazing ovations I've ever heard for somebody. Uh, you can't, saying that Nakamura was over with the crowd is not enough. This is beyond being over. This guy was beloved by this crowd. Um, you get a lot of different combinations, all working well. Everybody's working really well in this match. No matter what, who it is, whether it's Liger and Nakamura, Ligo and Liger, Nakamura and Briscoe, everybody is really doing their thing. At one point, all three men get knocked out the ring on separate sides except for Lito, and he hits all three of them with separate dives. Uh, rolls Nakamura in the ring, hits Hail to the King for a two count. Then Jay looks for the lethal injection, but Mark Briscoe drags him from the ring. While that's happening, a flying Beaumayer on Liger for a near fall. Nakamura winds up hitting another running knee strike, and he pins Liger. Three stars, fun match. Crowd loves the ending. And these matches are getting, you know, Three and a half stars, three stars, three stars. You know, these matches are were all excellent, excellent matches, and the crowd is so hot for them. As I've told you, uh, a hot crowd is going to get you high scores. Then we get Cheeseburger. He's back. He comes to the ring. He's tossing out free gifts to the crowd. Bullet Bob comes out and attacks him and takes the stuff, and then, like, uh, uh, cheeseburger grabs a mic saying he's coming for him or something like that. Our next match, Roderick Strong versus Hiroshi Tanahashi. Really looking forward to this match. Very fast-paced match. So Tanahashi is a flying elbow that just busts Roddy's head open. Uh, he is really bleeding heavily. You can see there's a lot of worry around ringside about this. It's coming out hard. Uh, Tanahashi uh, keeping up the pressure uh, on him during this. Uh, Roddy does hit a big backbreaker for two. Uh, everyone's running around with towels trying to see if they can get Roddy to uh, try to use the towel to try to stop the bleeding if given a chance. But it seems like Roddy doesn't want the help. Roddy just wants to keep the match going. Roddy does wind up locking on the stronghold. Onto Tanahashi, but uh, he gets the ropes break. Roddy suplexes uh, Hiroshi on the apron. That looks really tough. He gets a two count after that. Crowd is really hot for most of this. They, thanks to the blood, they're totally behind Roddy now. Tanahashi tries a high fly flow. Roddy drop kick, drop kicks him right out of the air. Then hits a sick running knee right to the jaw. Puts him on the top rope. A superplex. Then hits Death by Roderick. 
and finally a sick kick. The crowd is on their feet. One, two, no. Tanahashi kicks out. People cannot believe it. Uh, he comes back. Tanahashi hits a straight jacket suplex or two. Then he hits a sling blade. He goes up. High fly flow. One, two, three. Tanahashi prevails. Four stars. Incredible match. The crowd being so into it. The blood. Everything worked for this match. Just really. This is just one of the better matches you're going to see. Uh, they talked a lot about Tanahasi's back problems and say he's been getting a lot of work done and seeing special doctors and what have you. And the fact that he's taking on a really light schedule in New Japan, working Toriyano with like six-man, eight-man tags every night. So it looks like Tanahasi is back to being able to putting on those incredible matches because he, he did it here. And uh, he had a really good match we talked about with Michael Elgin. So, I definitely think uh, Tanahashi is uh, starting to feel a lot better, which is good because, as you know, if you listen to my Strong Style podcast, the G1 Climax is coming, and they need Tanahashi uh, to be up for his game, as he is usually, along with Ishii, who's another guy, that really carry a lot of those matches on the show. They're usually the go-to guys for the main event matches. Not Kimura, too. Uh, they just really seem to excel at the G1. Then we get a, a Ring of Honor Tag Team Championship match as the Addiction face off against Kazuka Okada and his manager Gato. This is a fairly by the books tag match. Addiction eventually take control and get the heat on Gato. Hot tag to Okada. But Addiction uses double teams to regain the advantage there as well. And they wind up ending it as they hit the celebrity rehab on Gato. Uh, after the match, Okada nails both them with drop kicks and then hits the Rainmaker on Daniels. Two and a half stars, good, but just a sight of a letdown after the match that just came before it. I mean, which is to be expected. I mean, how do you follow what Tanahashi and Roderick did? So, you know, it, it, it wasn't, it was a good match, but it just didn't have the oomph after watching that other one. Then we get Jay Briscoe defending the Ring of Honor World Heavyweight Championship against Bobby Fish. Uh, this was a very even match, a lot more even than I expected it to be, but Ring of Honor does that. Uh, they, nobody ever really gets dominated. Uh, both men getting near falls on each other. Briscoe out of nowhere hits the Jay Driller and covers, but Fish kicks out. Jay looks absolutely stunned. Uh, they wind up fighting out to the apron where Jay lands a Death Valley driver on the apron. Throws him back in the ring, Jay Driller, and it's over. Two and a half stars, good match. But I guess I just never felt Fish would win this, and that seems to be the problem with, uh, you know, any title matches that Briscoe's going to have in two best in the world when he faces Jay Lethal. They've built up this match for so long that there's just no way you could think that, you know, either guy's going to lose before uh, facing each other. Uh, after the match, the two men shake hands. They embrace. Fish leaves, and Vita Scott leads Moose to the ring. 
and they go face to face. No punches are thrown. Uh, Stokely really is trying to get Moose to back off while Vita was kind of trying to poke the bear, if you will. They leave the ring, but as Jay turns around to grab his belt, Vita orders Moose back in. He does. He hits a spear on Jay. Um, after he hits the spear and leaves the ring as Vita is, you know, in all her glory, uh, Stokely, I guess, was told to take the belts. But he does it. He takes the belts and he gives them to Jay, almost with a look on his face like saying, I'm sorry, you know, this is not the way I want things done. Uh, so it looks to me how I see this happening, that Moose is going to be turning on and spearing Stokely soon. They've kind of made this thing where Moose is a nice guy, but Vita is uh, forcing him to do bad things. But I think the way the angle will go is, is that everybody's going to assume that Moose is going to go with Stokely and fire Vita. And instead, it's going to go the other way around, where Moose uh, turns on Stokely and goes full heel. We'll see. There's a lot of ways you could play this. You could also play this where Stokely looks like the good guy and, uh, you know, trying to have Moose become babyface, and then he turns full out heel. So there's a lot of ways you could play this. I'm interested to see how Ring of Honor works. And then we get our main event of the evening. The Kingdom, all three of them, that's Michael Bennett, Matt Taven, and Adam Cole, as they face the Bullet Club, which uh, tonight consists of AJ Styles and the Young Bucks. Both teams take the turns on offense, but the Kingdom get the heat on Matt for a good portion of this match. Uh, finally, a hot tag is made. You know, the Bullet Club runs wild, mostly on Bennett. AJ hits a senton that looks like it could have killed him. The rest of the kingdom come in and break up the pin attempt. A little later on, a running knee by Cole and Matt gets a near fall. Uh, the kingdom hit their triple super kick on Matt. Uh, then Cole suplexes Matt across his knee, but Matt somehow kicks out. All six men start the brawl. We get an amazing sequence with super kicks and enziguries and everything that leave all six guys down lying in the ring. Then a crazy sequence where AJ, they backdrop Cole. AJ catches him in the air, power drives him, then hands him upside down to uh, Matt, and they hit a indie taker. Then they hand him back to AJ's two upside down, and AJ hits the Styles Clash. But Bennett pulls the ref out of the ring. Things get crazy. AJ teases the Styles Clash on Maria at one point, but Taven saves her. They hit a low blow on Matt. They hit the Spike Power Driver on him. And uh, then Drape, basically unconscious Cole on top of him. So the ref goes to count him out, but the Bullet Club this time pulled the ref out of the ring themselves. It's all three versus Cole. He spits in AJ's face, and they hit a double super kick and a Pele kick at the same time. What a spot. It looked amazing. Uh, they're about to hit the Meltzer driver when Maria jumps on the apron and yells them to stop it. And then... 
they triple super kick Maria. Oh my God. Uh, the ref is checking on her. I don't know why. Well, I guess because he thought she died. The way she took this bump was like she was totally unconscious. You know, that's a great acting job, Maria. But still, what a, a triple super kick on Maria. They thought the lid of the ECW arena was going to blow off on this spot. The kingdom wind up now dropping AJ and Nick. They grab their legs out from under them and they land jaw first on the apron, incapacitating both of them for a moment. And Bennett rushes into the ring, cracks Matt with the belt as Cole falls on top of him. Here, return, return, the referee returns from checking on Maria to see Cole on top of Matt. He counts one, two, three. The kingdom win. Four stars, a total cluster, you know what, of a match, but it worked. Great stuff, great stuff. One of the few times a, 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 a mess like this works, but it was, it was a designed mess. It was meant to be thus all out mayhem. Referee had no control what was going on, and it was just total carnage and fantastic stuff. Uh, Maria, <laughs> Funny thing that the kingdom are celebrating and posing with Adam Cole and Maria basically unconscious. And Cole is like, you know, half semi conscious holding up the two fingers. And Maria, who's completely out, Betty, like, literally, like, grabs her two fingers and holds them up for her as he's unconscious on the ring apron. A very funny spot. Overall, a great show. In my opinion, slightly less than night one. The top matches were probably as good, if not better, but I thought the undercard on night one was a little better than it was here. But overall, great show. I hope they do this again next year. These are so much fun, these War of the World shows. My, my two favorite promotions, uh, Ring of Honor and uh, New Japan. And uh, they really go at it on these shows. And Especially with what's become a Ring of Honor TV. This seems to be the only place I can watch any real Ring of Honor wrestling anymore. So, uh, that's our show. I hope you enjoyed it. This was uh, a long time coming to get these Ring of Honor shows on. But as I told you guys a couple of months ago, I was super excited about them. And as you can tell from my reviews, I was not disappointed. A War of the World is a great time to be a wrestling fan. I said, I really do hope they do that again next year. What do we have coming up? I'm not really sure. We'll have to take a look and see. Obviously, we are going to continue as we march down the last eight weeks of the season one of Lucha Underground. As of now, we'll continue to hope that Ring of Honor and Destination America gets better and they allow them. You know, someone told me that they're doing this to try to introduce everybody to the new fans that are watching, and that might be true. This might be done more to try to introduce people before they let them go all out in matches again, and I hope that's the case, and maybe in a week or two we'll get back to where it's, you know, two or three, I don't care if it's three matches or not, you can have two squashes, but you've got to go back to putting on the main events you were putting on before you got on Destination America. I mean, go back and listen to my shows. I don't think I gave any Ring of Honor main event over the last two months, less than three stars. I haven't had a three-star match anywhere on the card for Ring of Honor since they've been on Destination America. So, 
you know, I, I hope they get back to uh, what was making them great. And uh, we'll be back next week. And uh, let's see. I'll try to find another indie show. If there's anything out there off the top of my head. There might be. I know there was a Shine show we never talked about. But that's so old now from April. I, I think actually there might be a new Shimmer show out. Maybe I'll try to review that. We'll see. I'll, I'll see what happens during the week. And like I said, if you enjoy hearing about these New Japan talent, check out. I just did a show on Strong Style Wrestling Podcast in which I spoke about the finals of the best of the Super Junior Tournament and one of the greatest matches I've seen so far this year. Definitely match of the year candidate at this point. Possibly the leader. There was a couple matches in January that were amazing, but uh, since those matches in January, this is probably the best match I've seen featuring Kushida and Kyle O'Reilly. So, uh, you know, if you want to hear a little more New Japan stuff, uh, check that out. That just went up a couple of days ago. And uh, that's our show. And I want to thank you guys for listening, and I hope to see you back here next time. And until that time, bye-bye.